0: welcome to the social fishing podcast my name is reese creed i'm a passionate angler and i want to share as much as i can about the sport we all love on this podcast we speak to incredible anglers sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge all to help you reach your fishing dreams thanks for joining us today now let's begin G'day, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. Now, this is episode 51, and I'm super pumped. It's going to be a very special episode because I'm joined by Karen Rees. Now, Karen is an extremely dedicated female angler who involves herself in so many aspects of fishing. Just a few ways she's involved in fishing is she runs a tackle shop, she fishes all as much as she can, week in, week out, with her kids and her husband. She has three daughters, and one part of this episode where is we talk about uh, fishing with kids. So Karen shares her tips and her experiences raising her three daughters and getting them involved with the outdoors and fishing. And it's a great part of the chat, and I really took a lot away from it. Karen also is involved in the Worth Network, the Women in Recreational Fishing. Now we actually touch on this quite a lot in the episode. If you don't know what it is, but if you're a female out there and basically, it gives you a place where you can express yourself and be comfortable and get into recreational fishing. So, if you're a female listening to this, that is going to be something you want to listen to. Listen to Karen talk about that and how you can get involved. In the Worth Network. And Karen also writes the Nagambi report inside the SF membership. So she writes the reports for us in the membership on Nagambi. And talking about Nagambi, both Karen and myself are ambassadors for GoFish, and we are going to be talking about GoFish Nagambi because it is coming up very soon. There's only a couple of weeks to go. Uh, it's just around the corner, and after last year not happening, I'm super excited to see the event go ahead this year. So what Karen and I do is we talk a little bit about Nagambi Lakes, what the system is if you've never been there before, Uh, we give you a few tips for fishing it and then we move on to the competition itself, sharing a bit of info and just having a bit of a chat around the event, what's up for grabs, the prizes, how it all works Uh, and yeah, I'm super excited to be there. The first year was a cracker of an event, Uh, it was incredible. It's unlike any other fishing competition. It's basically mixed like basically mix a festival with a fishing competition and that's what you've got with this event. So the first year was unbelievable and I can't wait for this year after missing out last year. So it's going to be exciting and someone will take home 80 grand, $80,000 cash for the biggest cod. So Karen and I will be talking about that in this episode as well. So a little bit about a Go Fish in special leading up to that event so guys this is another really awesome episode and before we even jump in i want to thank karen for her time to sit down and record this with me and i really hope you guys enjoy so without further ado let's jump in and talk with the one the only karen Rees. g'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of the social fishing podcast and this is a very special episode uh, for two reasons, we have Karen Rees on. We're going to be talking about women and women in fishing and Karen is a huge ambassador for getting women out and enjoying wreck fishing and we're also going to be both talking a little bit about Go Fish nagambi the Gamby, which is coming up very soon. So, Karen, thanks heaps for joining me uh, on this Sunday morning. It's beautiful to be outside now. Um, yeah, once again, thanks for joining me and it's going to be a good chat. I'm keen.
1: Thanks for having me, Rees. Yes, we should be out fishing at the minute in this beautiful weather but that's okay we'll do this instead and i'm excited about sharing yeah my journey and a little bit about go fishing again. a coming up it's very exciting
0: yeah it's gonna be exciting yeah so uh, i agree it's a really nice day and i was fishing this week and we had some good success but we were in like 45k winds and now i'm sitting inside but i guess this is the next best thing we could be doing oh yeah talking about fishing eh? yeah
1: definitely definitely there's nothing better than if we're not out fishing we're talking or learning or yeah anything along those lines
0: yeah, that's right. Now, tell me a little bit about your story now and then we'll talk a little bit about your history. What do you do now um, in the fishing world? I know you pretty well involve yourself as much as you can. Um, you run a tackle shop with your husband? Yeah,
1: we do. So, at the moment, we um, run, well, the managers of Trolley's Outdoor Bendigo. Um, we've been there for nearly two years now um, and we really enjoy sort of educating our customers and helping them on their journey to catch their fish as well and it's really um, sort of, yeah, it's really beneficial to know that you can impart your knowledge and help others to live their dream as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, so did you, has that shop been there for longer than two years or? No. Was it, mani- or it was just basically it started up when you started managing it?
1: Yeah, that's right. So the opportunity came up um, basically from my involvement in the Women Re- in Recreational Fishing Network um, where I met Steve Trailful. Um, And we did a few things together um, previous, just running events, being co-hosts at things. Um, And he sort of hinted to us that he had an opportunity to move into Bendigo um, and that he was interested in sort of having a chat to us. And then, yeah, it sort of all came from there. He sort of offered us the position of starting it up. And it had been a bit of a, I suppose, a dream in a way that my husband and I had discussed um previously and we were like let's just grab this opportunity with both hands and see how we go and it's been a really big adventure especially we renovated um an old oh it was very outdated very 70s styled fishing store camping store and then um yeah within two weeks we turned around and opened the store so it's been it's been a fun journey but yeah um it's been i
0: bet and i bet the two years went quick
1: it's gone really quick really quick it's sort of you look at it now and yeah you can't sort of believe where you've got to at this stage and um how many customers we're still finding coming into the place as well and are just discovering it and becoming sort of loyal customers to us yeah
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And then if you don't mind me asking, what did you do beforehand and what did your husband, Justin, do beforehand? So
1: I still do my other job as well, but I am a primary school teacher. Um, So I had taken maternity leave and I've just been working part-time as a teacher and when this came up, I was sort of in between whether I'd go back an extra day at school or do something else Um, and, yeah, this came up. So I sort of stuck with my job as a teacher. And I've jumped this on top of it. So, um, and then I also, yeah, my husband was a builder. So, he came out of, yeah, subcontractor builder and decided he was sort of been looking for a change for a while, but wasn't sure what he wanted to do. And yeah, this came up. So, that was it.
0: It's great when you can do your passion in some form or another, eh? Because I've... I've been trying to follow it for some time now and it's really starting to kick into gear and it's so good meeting people. Like I've met you through basic... I think I met you through GoFish, yeah. actually. Yeah, we did, Yeah. So, yep. it's just crazy the people you meet through the passion that you follow and you all share the same passion and it's really exciting. It's a massive move, isn't it, from him being a builder to go to that and for you, it's kind of... Almost, it's. I can see how it's transitioned, you know, you're teaching kids and now you're sort of imparting knowledge in terms of fishing. It's kind of a, a smooth transition there. There's, yeah. there's things that apply to both of those. Yeah, definitely. Um, when it comes to teaching. So, let's tell. To, to, go back. We'll go right back. How did you fall in? Because I know you have a massive passion for fishing. Um, I can just tell the way because Karen, for those of you guys who are listening, she writes the reports uh, for our SF membership. She's involved as a GoFish ambassador and that's why I have her on to talk about this GoFish stuff with myself because I too am an ambassador for GoFish. You're a part of Women in Rec Fishing, which we'll talk about in a minute. You run the tackle shop. That's a lot of involvement in fishing. How did it all start? How did you fall into the passion? Because I know you have such a strong passion for it. Yeah.
1: So, I'll go back to childhood, and my journey doesn't really start in childhood, but I've got this really distinct memory of my first fishing trip, um, and it was actually to Nagambi, which is a little bit... Really? Yeah, it was.
0: <laughs> and where were you from? Where were you I'm from? I'm from
1: Bendigo. So, okay. I've got this recollection um, as a kid of us going to a weir. Um, and I've got this real visual thing, yeah, going on in my head and I could see this weir and I remembered after it, we went and travelled and we stopped and we camped somewhere on a bank and all through my fishing time, um, since I re, I suppose, went, followed my passion of fishing, um, I've been searching for this weir um, and everywhere so I you go... you can see it
0: pretty... Yeah. You could see it real vivid. I could like see it you, really vividly. Right. Yep. <laughs> For
1: whatever reason, it stuck with me, and it's probably something that happened when I was about eight years old or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I, um, you know, I've been to Eildon. No, it's not that weir. I've been to Moorwayland. Not that weir. It's been to Turrumbra. It's not that weir. I'm like, where in the hell is this weir? Um, mm. And it wasn't actually until I'd fished in the Gamby before, but we actually hadn't driven around to the, the weir, um, and it wasn't until... Oh, sometime last year, actually. And I said to Justin, it was raining one day, and I said, I need to go have a look at this weir. And then as soon as we pulled up, I went, that's it. I went, that's the so weir. So, where
0: was it? Above the weir?
1: Um, I think we, yeah, I'm not sure exactly where we went fishing, but I remember going to the weir and then we, my dad drove somewhere and we went fishing. I don't think we caught anything, but, yeah.
0: You remember <laughs> this. I remember weir. this vividly. Yeah.
1: But really my um, passion for fishing came from my husband, Justin, so yeah. he had been an avid fisher since he was a little kid, used to sit on the banks of the Murray River up on his grandparents' property up at Barham. Um, and I didn't really do any more fishing after that moment when I was a little kid. It was sort of I was heavily involved in netball, played that yeah. um, in competition, sort of representative levels and those sort of things. And then, yeah, it was sort of I had to give that up Um I decided to retire at about 18 and just follow my dream of teaching and those sort of things. And I sort of, I suppose he sort of brought me back into it in some ways. So we used to go out um, just in a tinny and go and catch Redfin together and I just sort of wanted to spend time with him more than anything. But it wasn't, yeah, I wouldn't say I fell in love with it straight away, type of thing. Um, yeah,
0: it was just something you did. Yeah, it was just something time we did
1: to spend time together, and then a lot of it came around after the birth of my first child. Um, and yeah, he would go out fishing, and I decided because I was hemmed up at home, I had a new little baby. Um, I just wanted to get out and do stuff, so I sort of followed along with him and put our eldest daughter Olivia in a baby carrier and would go down under Cairn Curran Wall and go and try and catch some of the big yellow bellies in there and. Um, I just slowly sort of started to fall in love with it, but it really triggered, um, my passion really triggered. It was about six years ago and we had um, gone out to Serpentine on the Loddon River and he... um, my sunglasses decided to go for a fall to the bottom of the water, river, and I wasn't too happy. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I
0: can't imagine.
1: <laughs> I was reckon I everyone's
0: done that yeah. at some stage.
1: <laughs> I absolutely cracked it. I'm like, stop this! I'm yep, not doing it. Anyway, he gave me a surface lure, and he said, "Oh look, we're nearly back to the boat ramp. Just throw this around, you know, that sort of thing." So anyway, I thought, "Oh yeah, why not?" And then. Um, I really fell in love with surface fishing that night. I was just like, I love the visual aspect of it. But, yeah, I got my first surface cod that night. Did you? Yeah, first time I'd thrown them, first surface cod, and then I quickly got another one and another one, and that was it. I was absolutely hooked. So, I just, um, yeah, I sort of got dubbed the surface queen very quickly because a lot of people at that time... We're just sort of finding it and they'd never really hooked up and for some reason I was able to hook up nearly every time I put a surface lure on. So it just... Um, it's a
0: cool story.
1: Yeah, just one of those things. They weren't huge cod but just loved the visual aspect of it and it just the adrenaline from it. And I think that's what really drove me into it. So it's sort of been, yeah, about a six-year, I suppose, push and drive and I jumped into competition fishing with my husband. Like yep. within a month of catching my first surface cod, and he just wanted <coughs> nice. a partner. And back to Gambia it was for my first comp. Yeah, so caught one on the surface in pre fish and then one in the morning um, as well on surface. And yeah, I just, everywhere I went, I put a surface lure on and was catching them. So we just sort of jumped into that and then did a whole season of um, competition fishing together in the Central Vic lure caster series. Which was heaps nice. of fun. Yeah, but yeah, I had a, some good success in there, which was fun.
0: Yeah. That's so good. So, t- this first service code you got, yep. did you, you were casting, like Justin just said, tie this on have a cast. Yep. Did you catch it in the dark, or was it still daylight no, and you it saw it still, eat, or you just heard it? It
1: was still daylight and I saw it eat. Yeah, so it was That's just cool. on dusk. So, I saw each one of them. Um, yeah, but just having that, yeah, I just love that visual element of it. And any time I try and get anyone into fishing or any female into fishing, I'm just like, surface, just go for surface.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because I know. cool.
1: Yeah, I know how much it can grab your attention and bring you in um, to the sport. So, so, you
0: you must have been, you must have gone fishing with Justin when you first sort of met and just something to do for quite a few years before this event yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. So... Like- it must have been a bit, and obviously you never really it, did. There was no, there was no. Obviously, there was no moment that sort of was like exciting to you. Did Justin catch fish, and you were just like, "Oh yeah." Oh and then, yeah,
1: I remember we went, we went camping together up on um, the Murray at Bell Ranald, um, and we just did some bait fishing, caught a couple of yellows. I wasn't that excited about it though, but <laughs> it was just, it was yeah. what it was, and I just sort of joined his yeah, his passion. In a way, but and it
0: wasn't until that moment. Yeah,
1: it wasn't that
0: you were like, "This is cool." Yeah,
1: that wasn't until that moment that that happened. I just, yeah, there was something about it that just grabbed me, and that was it. How good is it? It's so good.
0: (laughs) It's it's really good. It's yeah, it's 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 funny too because it's such a different style of fishing to subsurface. because it's all visual and sound but the actual hit there's no hit from them really it's just like a bit of weight whereas the feeling you get from subsurface is totally different but still addictive as well i was i was talking on the on our last trip with hoko about it and it's just like they're two different they're two different feelings and I would have to say surface trump subsurface but a massive hit from a subsurface or fish under the water is different again, isn't it? Yeah. They're just so different.
1: Oh, it's totally different and yeah, like I don't know. It's just one of those things that yeah, that surface moment, it's just such a big element and surprise and yeah, like both of them are but just because you can visually see it and hear yes. it and I suppose it's so many of your senses are heightened in that moment, I suppose that's sort of what draws me, you know, but yeah, subsurface, it's just that good old whack and off you go, but you don't get to see that surprise element, I suppose, because you don't know what moment that surprise element's going to come in.
0: That's right, and surface is a little bit more rare, obviously, too, because there's it's only sort of one species and in certain conditions, whereas we're catching fish under the water majority of the time. So, it's another thing that's kind of doesn't come around all that often either. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. So, So talk us through, you started competition fishing with Justin. Yep. Um, and then you obviously started fishing a stack. So, from there over the last six years, was it just full on, you were both in like you joined him as much as you could and you're still doing just as much now. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. How was the journey the last six yeah,
1: years? Yeah, so... So, when we jumped into comp fishing um, with me, you know, it was basically um, we were targeting yellow belly or cod for the comps, Um, sort of did the Mitchelton round, then went to go and do the Epiloc round. So, I'm sort of really new and excited by this. Just Justin just wanted a partner and because I'd done well in the first round, I'm like, oh, well, I may as well go to the second. Um, Yeah. So, I ended up catching six yellow belly in the half day comp for that and actually taking out the competition. which At Epilock, Epiloc, which was, nice. um, yeah, was a bit unbelievable. I wasn't sort of anticipating it. Um, but, yeah, we sort of were waiting there. I just had Justin just couldn't catch a fish. I think he got a tiny red fin and he's like, I'm not even putting it in. Like, that's just ridiculous. I'm just throwing it back in the water. I'm not going to register
0: it. And And he got well and truly outfished. He got
1: completely outfished. It was to the point. um, Yeah. I'd sort of had all these follows coming in. I was just using jackals and they were just following. I had heaps of follows, heaps of hits. Um, I saw some massive yellows come out sort of following my lures up to around 55, 57, they didn't hit. Um, and then I just started sort of chipping away. So most of them around the 40, 40s to mid um, 45 mark. But I think the hardest part for Justin was he had his favorite rod and reel and his lure attached and I just looked across it and go, like, Charles, I'm going to use it. And then I just slayed whatever was coming it was just use that lure and he's like why did I do that um but it was just cast out yeah I just had to jig and found a little school um that was sitting on this certain tree and yeah was able just to pull fish off after fish off it um and they were just following it out and I just had to keep changing up my retrieve to try and get them to bite so yeah it was good fun um but yeah it was a bit unbelievable when we went back and I was sort of sitting through the presentations and I heard you know third prize how many other points how many fish second prize I'm like I've won it I couldn't actually believe yeah. it but like in that moment my mum rang she had broken her ankle whilst she was looking after my oldest daughter while we could be there so I'm like <laughs> what do I do do I go home do I stay but it's one of those things she told me to stay so I'm like okay mum yeah. yeah it was one of those hard moments and I'm like oh great moment but couldn't really yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> do it and then she ended up staying with us for how many other weeks but after that we sort of followed the comp through um, I just sort of continued building my score and then we hit the last round which was round six at Mauela. Um and I'd been in front for like the entire season up until the second last round and I knew I needed something decent going in the last round and it was one of those moments I'm like yeah how are we going to do this but we had done the pre-fish comp the day before and Justin yeah. um Justin took out the prefish comp with a 80 something um and then he caught it on a gangster lure and then we went back to the comp and we were sort of talking there with um Matt Kane from Gangster Lures and he um he was out and he was sort of came up and had a chat to us and he gave me a well gave Justin and I a prototype lure um to have a try and when I saw it I'm like I'm going to use this um in yeah. the comp tomorrow so I just put it on the entire time and just kept fishing. And I think I was about 40 points behind at this point in the comp and I'm like, all right, how am I gonna do this? So yeah, I ended up getting, it was my PB at the time, 81 centimeter. And we went back and we thought, oh, we might have it. And the guy that was second, he sort of hinted to us that he didn't get anything, but he actually did. But yeah, so he just won by about 27 points over me. No but way. Yeah, it was a really um, fun experience. And then we jumped into the Australian Freshwater Masters after that, got yep. invited into that. Um, and just before we're about to head off for the Windermere round, we found out we're expecting twins. So we went off and, um, yeah, did those two rounds there and I knew I wouldn't be able to make the third round at Mawala, which was the one I really wanted to do um, because that was going to be in February and I was due in April with the twins and it was going to be like a 40-something degree day and I'm like, I can't do it. So I had to give up my spot and hand it over to someone else. But... Yeah, we'd sort of done a little bit of the comp scene after that, but not really. But once the twins arrived, um, we were back. I was back out within probably about 15 days of the twins arriving just to nice. get out on the bank and get some fresh air because I'd been cooped up at the hospital for 10 days. Um, yeah. yeah, and it wasn't. I like, didn't catch anything, but we sort of just kept putting the kids in the baby carriers and would go out sort of weekly with them on a Sunday afternoon and... Just go for a walk with them, and they loved it. They love being outside with us. So we just sort of slowly worked our way back into it, and now we're to the point that yeah, everything sort of happened. We fish basically weekly as a family. Um, sometimes just Justin and I, but the kids come with us most weeks. And yeah, we just love heading out wherever and chasing cod is our main focus. So.
0: Coming up in the episode, guys, we will be talking about Go Fish Nagambi, which is very exciting, so don't go anywhere. But while we're taking a quick break from the episode with Karen, I just wanted to talk to you about the SF membership. Now, if you're new to this podcast, if you're new to the content that we create, you might not know about this freshwater platform that we created, and it's there to help you guys catch more fish. It's great to see so many keen anglers jumping on board and basically catching fish and learning and then using that out on the water and having success. We're getting so many success stories from our members messaging us, sending through a photo and saying, hey guys, if it wasn't for the content that you created, I wouldn't have caught this fish. I even got a message from a bloke this week. He caught two fish over the meter in a space of an hour and he just said, thanks guys for all the content that you create. It makes a massive difference. And now he's confident and knows what to do. And that's just one of many success stories from our SF members. Now part of the membership, what I wanted to talk about is there's regular reports. We have people writing regular reports. For example, Karen writes the Nagambi report and she writes it every single month and then I, even me reading it, I know when the fishing is poor, when not to go or she'll write a report and put an update in saying things have come good, fish are firing and out. I now know what to use and where to go to catch fish and so do all the other members inside the membership. That is just one of the 15 reports that are there, and we're continually growing them every month. Now, another thing that I want to touch on is we just recently did a road trip down to Victoria. And we do these road trips on a regular basis to collect content from a wide variety of areas right throughout New South Wales and Victoria. And we went down and we fished and visited Lake Nillacuti, Waranga Basin, Lake Epilock, Mawala, and also the Goulburn River. Now, while we were there, we mapped three of those lakes, Nillacuti, Epilok, and Waranga. And what the mapping is, is they are digital interactive maps inside the SF membership that gives you access points, boat fishing spots, spots where you can sit on the bank and fish. We give you star ratings, so you know if it's a poor spot or a good spot, where you can put the kayak in, where you can camp, where you're allowed to camp. Plus, there's photos of all the spots. So, you can check out a photo of the camp spot and go, nah, that's not really what I like. Or you can keep going and go, that's perfect. That's what I'm after. Then, there's also key boat fishing areas there's key areas on the water we have photos of an arm that's full of snags and timber and we basically tell you where the fish hold in the lake with a stack a stack of tips on fishing the lake system from people who fish the system all the time not only do you get the maps with all the photos there's also key tips on the fishing conditions what's the best water clarity how the fish behave what species are in there the best lures bait etc cetera, etc cetera. there's so much there including the seasons when's the best time to go plus plenty of articles and videos on the recent trip we were lucky enough in amongst building those maps collecting content for the maps, we were lucky enough to land two-meter-plus fish, and if you've followed our social media page, you will see those go up. But I've just finished writing a detailed trip report. So basically, it's a report that I write from start to finish, where we went, what we did, uh, what worked, so what techniques we used at Nilakudi to catch the fish, how we got them, then also where we, how we fished at Epiloc, how we caught the fish at Moela, and then also how we caught that big fish in the Goulburn River and the techniques that we used, where we put in, what section of river we fished, that is all inside that trip report. So if you're an SF member, you can log in now and go check that out. But if you're not a member... That is easy to change. You can join and become the newest member. All you have to do is go to socialfishing.com.au, jump on our website, join today and I'll see you on the inside. Now, let's get back to the chat with Karen. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You've done a really good job. Uh, of still getting out there with kids. And obviously, for people who are having kids or they're young or they love their fishing and they think that's going to put a dampener on it, it's really not like there's... Obviously, you're a living example of how you can get out there with them. And all it is is basically just putting them out there in that environment. Do you have any... like? As, as a ground level, a base level for people, any things in particular you did when you took them out, did? Was it maybe your mindset, your expectation that you might only be there for a few hours? Or are there any tips you can give people who have, say, little kids, but then also a bit bigger as toddlers, what you did and what you've learned over the last well, nine years of fishing with kids? Yeah,
1: no, I think the biggest thing is just being prepared and accepting whatever happens. Will happen, and if your fishing trip gets cut short, it gets cut short because um, you don't want to sort of push the kids beyond their limits. That they start to resent fishing, I suppose yep. as well. So
0: except for the first day, you took all the kids in the boat yeah. and they didn't like it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was telling you the story, but yeah, we did two yes. lakes in a day, and they loved. They actually loved it. So they loved, yeah. and a lot of it was with the boat was just getting on the water and cranking up the speed. They just loved the speed and yeah big smiles on their faces but yeah we did a 13-hour stint between two lakes and re-topped up food in between um food's probably my number one key thing to get us through anything because um, they're always food. yeah if you don't have food and you're in trouble you're in a lot of trouble and like oversupplying food so usually i'll double nearly double my food um for the kids because i just know that as soon as they sort of start to lose that focus and drive they're like yeah we need food i'm hungry i'm hungry and you just more food more food but yeah we always try and involve the kids in some way whether it's like reeling in the um yeah once we're casting using the baitcaster and reeling her in or um, we'll bait fish them with with them as well um, just to try and get the nibbles um, jump on the bank with them because our kids just love exploring nature and um, just seeing what's there and discovering you know different creatures and digging holes and you know just embracing I suppose that natural element Um, but yeah a lot of it's just building up slowly and over time as well like if you're wanting to Try and get out for a whole day. You can't expect them to do it the first time you do it. You need to sort of, yeah, start with a few hours and then slowly build up and up and up. And, yeah, we do a lot of um, evenings with them as well. Um, We'll go out after work and after school, after kinder and jump on the bank with them and just yeah let them explore but catch fish and they'll always come up and touch the fish and help us release them that sort of thing so just involving them as much as you can in the aspects of fishing um yeah yeah and then cool. yeah. so on
0: the keep going sorry
1: oh and then just having like backup plans i suppose like we have coloring books in the boat or those sort of things something to entertain them or we try not to resort too much to grabbing the iphone out and letting them watch abc kids or anything but that's sort of our last resort, so we sort of always keep that card in our pocket. Um, yes. Yeah, and then for those
0: tough days. Yeah,
1: for those tough days where you know we're just getting to the evening bite period, and we're like, oh, we just want to stay that bit longer. Hey kids, here's the phone. So yeah, yeah um, but we try and keep them as involved as much in it, so they're learning as well. And yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah.
0: So, the, so, on the bank, if you went for a little bank session and most of the times if you're with the kids, will you bait fish? And then while you're bait fishing, they'll pretty much, they don't really care. Do, do they run back to, do they, do you find they want to wind the fish in or they more just want to see the fish or they're more interested in the what they what's going on around them?
1: No, our girls always they, want to be there to wind the, the fish in. So, usually the bank, do, yeah. we're always um, bait fishing with them. Um but we just, yep. yeah, we find we just set it up and, yeah, once we hear the bells start to jingle, um, we usually call one of them back down. Um, and there's nothing better than watching your kids pull in their first fish or, and the excitement in their face when they get that yep. fish in. Um, so we try and sort of expose them to that as much as we can. Usually in the boat, um yeah, we'll usually be lure fishing in the boat, um, our eldest. So, how do you go
0: with that Yeah, the kids?
1: Yeah, our eldest, she can cast and she'll cast for, yeah, different moments in time. She gets a little bit disheartened when she sees Justin or eye-catching fish and mm-hmm. she hasn't caught one. But, yeah, we just sort of keep telling her just keep persisting and she does it time and time again. She got her first surface cod last year. and
0: Really? Yeah, That's so cool. Yeah, she did.
1: She, um, it was down at Serpentine again and she um, – cast Oh, I think Justin cast out for her for that one. Um, but, yeah, she was cranking it back and then the fish wrapped itself around the snag and we had to go and get it off for her and she was absolutely pumped and stoked. And it's just watching those moments and seeing them fall in love with it um, and seeing their passion and, like, even just taking them to the tackle shop and letting them pick out a lure that they want to use and those sort of things. Yeah. Um, that's a huge part of them sort of embracing... The world of fishing, um, yeah,
0: so. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. It almost to you, it'd almost be better than you catching you know, say a big fish. Surely, seeing seeing your youngest finally you like get one on surface and be that stoked. Oh yeah! Like that's got to be a better feeling than yourself catching yeah. any fish ever. Yeah, I'm, she's, I'm sure. She's
1: a little bit cocky at times, and she sort of tries to, <laughs> <laughs> tries to rub like I'm going to catch a bigger one than you today, mum, and you know that sort of thing. It's um, it's quite funny. It becomes a little bit of a I suppose, yeah, a little bit of a fun game with her and I. She's like, I'm gonna beat you today, Mum. I'm like, No you're not, no yeah, you're not. But yeah, there is good. nothing nothing better than seeing your kid just yeah, light up once it happens. Um, that's so, yeah, yeah, and the, you'll experience it one day with Noah as well and you'll be like, This is the best. Yeah. Just it can be tough but it's so rewarding at the same time. So
0: Yeah, I bet how old are the girls? You nine so and nine the twins and
1: the twins are about to turn five.
0: Right. So, they're getting to that age where from now on, like in a very short period, they'll really start you know, like she's nine now, it'll only be a couple of years and she'd be quite good at casting and yeah. then that'll turn into a teenager and who knows where it'll go from yeah. there, whether she continues to follow fishing with her mum or, yeah. you know, and that's it. go off and do other things.
1: Yeah, I think she's got her heart set on netball, take after mum with yeah. that, but <laughs> no, she does love it and I think she'll always stick with the fishing. She, you know, she even says she wants to work at the store and um, help us out there and do stuff. So, I think that yeah, because we've exposed her to the fishing at a young age um, from when she was a little baby. She's been around fishing and I think that will sort of follow through. Um, but, yeah, it's something I suppose we've found with the wharf network as well that a lot of girls will get exposed to it as um, kids and then they may steer away from it through their teenage years and then a lot come back in their adult years, especially when they have their own family, so... It's yeah. sort of like I'm not too concerned, I suppose, if she uh, steps away from it for a bit, because I know she's got that really good grounding, and it's something she will go back to in time. I was was
0: saying? You've given her the experience, yeah. and it's and it's more, it's more, it's not the fact that it's you know that she has to do fishing in the future, it's that she's spent good quality family time outdoors yeah. with you guys fishing as a youngster, and you've given her that opportunity to pursue it if she wants or not, but it's more that whole. Bonding time. Oh, and yeah. enjoy, enjoying outdoors with, you know, sisters and parents and that yeah. so
1: And that's probably it's really good. Yeah, it's probably one of the biggest things I'm passionate about is getting the kids outside. Like my role as a primary school teacher, I'm actually the PE teacher, so I'm all about getting kids outdoors and active and fit and healthy and making yeah. them sort of see that natural world that's around them and what's out there and not just be stuck on screens inside. Um, which a lot of kids are these days. Um, so, yeah, just awesome. love giving my kids, yeah, and sort of inspiring other kids to get that grounding right um, when they're little yeah, and, so yeah, enjoy that life outdoors. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's awesome. I've got a couple more questions about the kids yeah. and then we'll move on and we'll talk about worth. Um, so, at what age would you say that the your child really knows what's going on out there in terms of fishing. So, like, at what age? Obviously, you can take them out fishing when they're young and get them outdoors, but a lot of them wouldn't really understand what's going on. At what age can you really start to sort of teach uh, a child that... It's not teach, you, you work it out, but I'm just wondering what age it is because my little fella's one yeah, um, and, and obviously girls are five and nine. Like, what age is it where... They really sort of understand they're going fishing, or is it like that three, four age? Or, yeah, d- d- I know everyone's different, every child's different, but what age did they sort of really get sort of excited to go or know what they were kind of doing? Yeah,
1: out there? I'd say it's that two to three range. Um, yeah, okay. yeah, where they really start so quite to understand. Young. Yeah, they are quite young. Um, like, yeah, even though they're with us from you know, how many of a week old, three weeks old. Um, they sort of, yeah, once they sort of start, I suppose, seeing the fish come in and understanding what's going on. Like I've got video footage of my kids at um, one of the tackle stores and they're picking out lures and, and they would have yep. only been around two at that age and they were so excited to pick out lures because that's like what mum and dad that's do. Cool. And um, It's sort of, I think, yeah, through that age bracket in there, I think we didn't go out in the boat with them till they were three but we'd sort of yep. done all that bank fishing with them and um at that age of two and yeah you could still sort of start seeing that they could sort of figure out what was going on but I suppose in terms of teaching them and it does depend on the kid like I've seen kids who are gun casters at four years of age um
0: yeah so have
1: I and like like Livy can cast well but I wouldn't say she sort of was a gun caster at that age um and like I'll probably, yeah. one of my twins will probably be a guncaster, you know, five and the other one will be probably about eight or something. But um, yeah. I reckon, yeah, around that teaching age is probably around that six-year-old, five, six-year-old uh, where they can yeah. really understand and start implementing things and understanding how lures work and what they need to do and what they need to look out for. And like my daughter now, she can, my eldest, she's like, that looks like a really good spot for cod mum. So she's, you know, been yeah. learning from us. For a number of years and yeah, she'll go, I want to cast there and she'll try and pin it. And yeah, she's done it multiple times where she's cast it in and she's got a fish off that spot. So
0: that learning yeah, that learning's
1: I suppose it's lifelong as you know, but yeah. Um Mm. yeah, probably around that five year old where. But Noah won't be far off. Won't be far Mm, off at all. Not
0: far away. (laughs) Not far away, no. So, as a summary, the top tips for someone taking a kid out, this is what I've taken from this chat, is food. Yep, number one. (laughs) Food. Obviously, safety is one in there as well. So, obviously, wherever you're on the bank or in the boat with your life jackets and just watch them or whatever. Um, After that is getting them involved but also having things for them to do which aren't fishing related to keep them entertained. What else? What else? You've got obviously patience and the fact that you're not out there to technically catch fish. Like that's not the goal with the kids. It's to keep them entertained and have fun. And if the trip's cut short, then yeah. that's just how it goes. But They're the four things <laughs> I've sort of taken away in yeah. summary. Is yeah. there anything else? The goal's always
1: there to catch fish, Race. Well,
0: yeah, I know. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, the, the goal is always to catch there, fish.
1: But, um,
0: not with screaming kids. Not with screaming kids. Once kids. it gets that far, yes.
1: Yeah. It's all, it's all over down, right? Red Rover once the kids get to that point. But, yeah, mm. I reckon you've summed it up pretty well there. Like, yeah, food number sure. one, safety definitely paramount. Um, that's, yeah, we didn't take the kids in the boat until we knew they were big enough to get in the life jackets and we were confident yep. that, yeah, if they were going to be um, in a situation, they'd be okay. We put them in swimming, swimming lessons from the age of six months just to get them familiar with water yep. in case something does go wrong. Um yeah. yeah and just you know just slowly building them up to that point's probably the biggest thing is just yeah accept the fact that it's not all going to go to plan whatever you got in your head you know I want to stay out for this amount of time if you've got to give up on it you've got to give up um yeah. yeah it's more important that the kids are happy and that yeah they're not going to be disheartened with fishing in the long term
0: and- carp become a good they target. They do become a good target.
1: <laughs> They're a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah. And like, yeah, going for your um yeah, your easy species, going for the redfin, going for the carp. Mm. Um, even trout, um, you know, going for them or yellow bellies. Um, you know, sometimes it is just, yeah, we always want to go cod fishing, but sometimes it is about making sure the species we're targeting is going to be something that yeah, we're going to get plentiful amounts of as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that the kids can actually experience it. We're not sitting, waiting all day just to see a Murray Cod that we may not see because we have a donut session or, yeah. Um, yep. Yeah.
0: We know how hard they are to get, don't we? Yeah, and that's sometimes. it. And, sometimes. And
1: sometimes you just got to go, no, nah, today, today is all about the kids. Let's just focus on them and, yeah, just let them awesome. explore. So, yeah, it's good fun getting Perfect. the kids out there. <laughs>
0: That's good. Yeah. No, that was really good. I enjoyed that. Um, now, let's move on to worth Can you tell me and tell our listeners what is worth how to start your involvement and what it means for women in fishing?
1: Yeah, certainly. So, worth stands for Women in Recreational Fishing um, and it's a network that was established back in 2017 on International Women's Day um, by the Victorian Fisheries Authority as an initiative. as of the Target One Million program um, where VFA are aiming to get one million anglers out there in Victoria fishing. Um, So they saw, I suppose, women as an area that they could build up the numbers with and they decided to sort of come together and form this network to help have this supportive environment for women to feel accepted and at ease um, with learning fishing or, you know, sharing their passion for fishing. So when they established it, um, they set up a Facebook community, um, which it's just only ladies are allowed to join. Um, and you know, when it started, I remember seeing the post go up on the VFA's, um, Facebook page. And as soon as I saw it I went, I am joining this. So jumped on, joined the first day. Um, and it's been awesome to sort of watch it grow. Um, so the Network's grown to 2,500 members at the moment.
0: Really? Yeah,
1: we've got 2,500 women, um, not just from Victoria. Majority are from Victoria, but we've also got ladies from other states around Australia and a few from overseas as well. Um, Cool. And it's just a place, yeah, ladies are looking for this space to, to share and to learn. Like it's probably the biggest part is trying to just connect women with other women because some women find the other Facebook groups and communities really intimidating to be on. Um, yeah, and sometimes some women get comments that may, oh, we've seen it, we've, we've definitely seen it, but we've had ladies sort of comment that they've tried to, you know, voice their opinion on something and people sometimes disregard them. Um, Still goes opinion. on, does it? It does, it does. It happens at the boat ramps, it happens like, it's, it's, not, it's not everywhere, but... It's sort of, I don't know if it's a generational thing, um, but as the network grows and the voice gets out there of the network, we're actually seeing that decrease as well. Um, You know, the more women that are getting out there and showing what's going on and that they're out fishing and enjoying their fishing, yeah, those comments are certainly becoming less and less over time. And that's, yeah, yeah, um, and that was sort of one of the things that we sort of, yeah, we really try and aim to, change i suppose in the long term it's not going to change overnight but it will happen um and it's just yeah showing people what's going on
0: it's a great initiative but it's a shame it isn't even has to be there if that makes sense yeah i mean yeah like it's really good and it's a great place uh like you said that women can express themselves but it is a shame that it was even needed to start with and fingers crossed and even a shorter period but down the road at some stage that there isn't a need for it, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and it's sort of – we've seen um, America's leaps and bounds in front of Australia in terms of their timeline on this. They've been – they had to do something similar um, where they sort of had this female campaign and then over time theirs has turned into a 50-50 on the water campaign. Um, Yeah, where they're just trying to encourage, you know, everyone to get out there fishing and you can sort of see it in – their aspects on social media, how many more women are actually out there fishing over in America than there are here. Um yeah. but yeah it's sort of I think sadly, yeah, it had to be one of those steps that had to happen, I suppose, to make it get yeah. to that point and one of those stepping stones to change it. Um yeah, but it yeah, we'll see where it goes down the track.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting, do you reckon that the sport and and it is being male dominated. It has been for some time. Do you reckon it's because the type of activity activity that it is? Do you reckon more males are drawn to the sport? And there's obviously this portion of females. There'd be so many more females in the sport if it weren't for this whole aspect of discrimination. And this is what that work. This is what worths all about. It's about bringing more females into it. But you don't want to force people into it, do you? Like
1: no, that, no, not like.
0: Will there always be this sort of unbalanced gender but does it matter like i feel like it doesn't matter how many of what gender we are in it. it's just whoever wants to be fishing can all fish you know what i mean
1: yeah no you're exactly right and i don't think i don't think it is a discrimination thing entirely that stops females get out there from angling and um i know it's a barrier for some but for others it's not they don't care about that i'm one of those people that you know i was a kid who could throw you know the whole Mm. girls can't do such and such. Yeah. I was never one of those girls that listened to any of that. Whereas there's some people that are like, you know, there's people that say girls can't fish or girls can't throw a ball or all that sort of thing. And for some people they find that a huge barrier, but, um, for others, like it doesn't phase them one bit, but I don't think that, um, yeah, that whole thing it's, It's probably always going to be more male-dominated than females, but I think a lot of it's to do with just women being exposed to it. Yes, Um,
0: that's it. Yeah, like a lot of
1: it, it's a father-son bonding experience or grandfather, grand yeah, grandson, and sometimes they just forget that maybe they want to do it with their daughter as well or they might be interested. Um, There's a lot that do take out their kids, and then as I said before, there's a lot of girls that move away from it during teenage years because I suppose it's not really cool or and that sort of thing
0: yeah
1: um, it's not what
0: so it's more the exposure
1: yeah I think it's more the exposure and the more you can expose someone to it at a younger age it's going to be better in the long run um, for them um, to learn all those skills like as I said earlier I've only I only had that one experience when I was a kid and I remember my brother catching some fish as well and I thought they were smelly and slimy and I didn't want to touch them. Like I didn't want to have anything. And like my first few fish I caught, like I remember the first time Justin got me to hold a fish, I didn't want to touch the thing. Like I was like, it stinks. (laughs) Like it's going to be reeking on me all the time. And, yes, they do, but you slowly grow and learn to love it. And I had gardening gloves on holding my first Murray cod. like – I was rocking the cod gloves before they were around, really. But um, (laughs) I was a trendsetter. But, yeah, I just didn't want to, I don't know, it was just one of those things that I had to, a barrier I had to get over just to hold the fish. Um, Yeah. So I think a lot of it's, you know, knowledge and skills and just having people there to teach you it as well. Um, Yeah. Whether you're male or female, like... You've got to be, you know, there's certain things. You can learn yourself, jump onto YouTube and see what's out there but to have it first-hand experience with someone that you know and love and family members or friends, um, there's nothing better than that and that connection yeah. between them and I think that's probably the biggest aspect, I suppose. Um, yeah.
0: So that's what worths good, that's what I was going to say, is worths bang on for, for women who think you know i could want to get into this but not sure where to start yeah obviously there's this great community where then they can grow and blossom and learn about the sport and then go from there yeah kind of thing. and
1: that's sort of one of our missions like we try and get to as many events that vfa runs and we always have women representing um there and we get down to the ground and we chat to the ladies and you know there's some there that as i said you know they're returning to the sport and they want to find out more and they want more information they just need that guidance, um, on how to get back in there. We run like different seminars and stuff on the network, different live events where ladies can jump on and do a and a type thing with us. And I did one back in December on freshwater basics and, um, did it with one of our other worth leaders. And she just, we just went through, you know, bait, fishing, lure fishing, um, the rod setups, the reel setups and it was just a way for ladies to feel confident that they could ask those questions that sometimes they don't feel like they have anyone to ask them to or they don't have confidence when they head into the tackle store to do that so yeah Um, and that's been a big push of mine with I suppose working at trelleys is that whole, you know, making sure, it's probably been one of the biggest things I've done in the store, I've made sure all the guys go to every lady that goes in there, no matter what, don't just sort of disregard um, any of the ladies going in expecting that they're just there to buy a gift voucher for their husband or that sort of thing. Cause it happens quite often. Um, yeah, you see it, it and like, it's happened to me, but, um, you know, they just sort of think, yeah, you don't actually know what you're on about and you go in and then you blow them away, which is a bit of fun. But, um, mm. yeah. So it's just one of those things that you just trying to i suppose establish connections and we're just sort of about to go into our local group launches as well where we're trying to sort of bring our whole network and i suppose in some ways divide it but make it more intimate that you know the ladies in my region like um they can sort of reach out to me and we'll run events with them and upskill them and train them um in whatever they need from knot tying to yeah, techniques and go out on fishing days together, which is really exciting. So it's just sort of a slow growth, our network and what we do, but um, yeah, our main aim is really just to get out there and embrace any lady from any background, any age group, any skill level, and just expose them and teach them and inspire them um, and share the passion with them that a lot of them, yeah, as soon as they catch that fish, they share that passion, They yeah, there's yeah. something about it that when you catch that fish, the sense of achievement that you see. Um That's awesome. Yeah, so...
0: So yeah. you've got the closed Facebook group where everyone can join and then obviously by listening to what you're talking about, there's live events when they were possible. Obviously, they may be slowed down during yeah, COVID. Yeah, yeah. And and then it, there's a whole heap of days and events. Like, for example, um, there'll be a worth presence at the Go Fish Comp. Yeah. Uh, So, if someone's interested, if there's a lady listening to this podcast, what do they need to do and what can they do to join?
1: Yeah. So, as I said, it's a Facebook community. Um, So, if you go on there and just type in the search women in recreational fishing, um, it will be most likely the first thing that comes up and it's just literally a join button that you need to click um, to jump on and be a part of it and then someone from the Victorian Fisheries Authority will approve you and then, yeah, you're in the group and... um, We're sort of hoping to expand it as we keep going to get the name out there as well but, yeah, we've got processes to go through to get to that point but, um, yeah, yeah, just literally jump on and join in. um, And then in terms of local
0: things and other things they can do, it all comes through there? Yeah,
1: all all the communication sort of comes through there so um, things get posted up at different times, let ladies know that, you know, this live event's on on this time and send out an invite through there. Um, yeah, and all the discussions sort of go through there on what's happening and where otherwise, um, yeah, there's a couple of us that work in fishing stores. We might, so including myself, like I'll talk to ladies in the store and say this is on and um, those sort of things um, and just sort of jump in that way. So, yeah, that's how we sort of spread our message.
0: Perfect. So, if anyone's listening, uh, if you have a, even if, If you're a fellow who loves fishing, you have a daughter who wants to get into it and doesn't feel like they're included or um, if you are a lady out there listening and you want to join, make sure you jump on and check out WORF and join. And like you said, it's a great community for women. So, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Karen. Uh, Next of all... Can you talk or can you share a couple of things uh, about some of the waterways that you fish down in Victoria? So, I know we've got go fish coming up. Ngambi is obviously the destination for that. We'll talk about a little bit about the event in a minute. But Ngambi itself, for someone who's never been, can you explain what kind of fishery it is, what's in it, um, and how you kind of approach that lake system?
1: Yeah, too easy. Um, is a beautiful spot. Like, it's such a picturesque waterway. Um, it's based on the Goulburn River um and it's basically one of the first weir in australia was uh, actually built at really the yeah the goulburn weir is the first weir that was set up for irrigation um no back in 1890s go. or something like that so um it is a sort of an irrigation way but they built that, which in terms when they built it, it ended up flooding a lot of the shallow areas. So you've got the main Goulburn River running through, plus then you've got a whole lot of shallow backwaters that sort of stem off it. So you've got Lake Ngambi itself, which sits in the hub of Ngambi in the main township. Yep. Uh, you've got the Goulburn Weir, uh, which is sort of, oh, it's probably another... The f- end. It's the far end. Um, yeah. It's probably about a five-minute drive from Ngambi to sort of see it. Um, then you've got yep. some flooded backwaters around Curlin's Bridge um, and yeah, it sort of stems through there but it's a very picturesque, wide waterway. Um, yeah, it's a gorgeous spot. I, I love going there every time. It's sort of, yeah, you see something new every time you're there.
0: Yeah, it's a cool, pretty well flooded lake, lake system yep. and the only other place that I can try and give you reference to if you've never been there is Moala but it's still very different to Moala. It's like... It's much smaller scale. It's kind of like the top end of Moaia. It's got a lot of similarities yeah, to like Bundalong yeah. area.
1: You don't have um, that huge, I suppose, lake spans um, that Moaia no, has. Not at all. Um, you just no. got the pockets of lakes. But yeah, in terms of, I suppose Moaia ish, it's um, yeah, you've got that shallow black backwaters of the four or five foot with the deeper channels running through in those yeah. areas, um, all the laydowns and stumps. Um, yeah, and I suppose, yeah, the top, the top, I suppose the top section of Moail is probably a good way to explain it. Um, other than you don't really have the Everglades
0: area. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, um, it's kind of like that. And so it's not, it's not a big dam storage deep water. It's like a river channel. It basically feels like you're fishing in a river. You're still casting the structure and stumps and things like that. eh? Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and you've I, been mean
0: fishing there for a while, eh?
1: I have been fishing there for a while, <laughs> just a while. It's sort of a lot of my fishing journey there's probably been in the last two years, but, yeah, I have been fishing it obviously since that first time I went about six years ago and we just go over there intermittently. Um, but, yeah, I've been fishing there a lot in recent years. So it's not our local waterway by any means, but there's just something about it that draws us back there every time. Um the fishing yeah when it's firing it's firing really well and obviously there's donut trips in that as there always is yep. wherever we go but yeah um, it's a gorgeous area
0: so yeah so what's if someone was going to fish it for the first time whether it's comp weekend or just in any style any time fishing what's the kind of approach Are you, do you find that the best go would for someone who's fishing the first time they want to f- concentrate around the river system this is from your experience because yeah. obviously obviously i've had experiences there as well which obviously completely different to yours All well, there's obviously similarities but everyone has different experiences the the river channel are we fishing sort of just off the river where it gets that three sort of meter mark or are we fishing right out in the real shallow stuff what what's your sort of approach when you go
1: yeah we um it depends on the week really but like I know when I started there um, because I came from river systems, um, yep. I sort of, we sort of stuck to the river systems to start with. Um, so we just sort of cast the edges um, of the main river course. So for those that don't know Ngambi, um, you've got the old main river course where you've got stump line um, that sort of sits out about five or so metres from the edge of the river um yep. and then it's sort of a bit shallower so you've got a bit of a shallow rise where you've got sort of that three three meter mark on the edge um and yeah we always started there casting to the edges and under the trees and um any of the laydowns that were on the edge of the river was sort of our initial thing and then yeah we started um started finding a few of the bigger fish hanging around the old stumps on the river course so we've sort of targeted them a fair bit as well and Recently, we've been sort of fishing, I suppose, the shallows. Um, yeah, because we just sort of wanted to try out some different areas to see how they were fishing at the time. But, yeah, we've fallen in love with going in the backwaters at the minute. So, yep. yeah, I think a lot of it will depend on your style going there for the first time as to whether you want to go into the main river course, all those things. But there's fish everywhere in the river. That's and what I was going to say, There's yeah. fish everywhere. Um and there's some really nice fish in the system. So I know you've tackled a nice 94, was it? So it was. Yeah, yes. we've seen a nice 92 come out of there, and yeah, um, and a few others. Some nice 80s come out. So they're sort of, and it's sort of a real upcoming. Like there's, there's still some big meter cod in there as well. But it's a real upcoming fishing habitat, I suppose. And it's yeah, we're seeing a lot more big fish starting to come out of the system, which is nice to see.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, like you said, there's fish right throughout. Like The fish will sit in two foot up, oh, super shallow. Yeah. In the backwaters, they'll sit right in shallow, like on the flooded edges near the river. They'll sit on those stumps and they'll also sit in the bottom of the river channel, which runs around that eight meter-ish yeah. mark up and down a bit from there. Because that fish I caught, I trolled up In the actual river channel, Mm -hmm. but then that morning, we got a nice good one casting hard bodies at the stumps and things like that. So, yeah, like you said, there's fish the whole way through, and then there's the river upstream of the lake, which is still pretty much lake. It's classified as river once you get past Chinaman's Bridge, I'm pretty sure. Um, It's classed as river, but they still act like lake fish because the water's pretty well still and banked up and there's a lot of big fish through there as well so yeah well it's a good system it
1: is a good system we're the same our biggest the 92 out of there that we got that was trolling as well the main river course so um we find that most of the big fish are coming out of the depths of that big river course um but yeah i think even paul worsling got his one trolling the main river course too so it's yeah. Sort of, yeah. Most of the ones we've seen, if you are looking at getting a good one out of there, the troll, the old troll is probably the top thing to try and stir one of them up at the minute. Yeah,
0: yeah. especially probably especially during the comp too, and a yes. lot of boat activity. Yes. Um, Don't give away yeah, all, so all the secrets, Rose. <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. We're here to help, though. So that's again a little bit of a touch on the Gamby. There's a lot of small fish in the system. It holds red fin in quite good sizes. Yeah. yeah. Okay plenty of goldens it has a lot of smaller fish but there are big fish in the system as well um and a lot of fish so it's and, and the time of year where it fires real well is that summer through till that march period so right now right now it's perfect timing go, yeah. yeah
1: yeah winter it's a little bit tough we had a bit of a tough winter there last year um just with the rain events that came through um that sort of pushed a lot of water down the system um but And it dirtied up something shocking. But, yeah, the summer mm. period probably from we sort of started seeing it fire again from about September and then it'll probably really yep. fire through to about May. Um, but, yeah, this summertime, especially right now, is a really good time to go. So, yeah.
0: yeah. And, and it always, every year is different. Like this summer wasn't as good because of those whole flows cool up everything going on and now it's kind of stabilized a bit so every year or every month is different every year there's just yeah. it's a general rule of thumb that the warmer is better and obviously if you've never fished there before they will eat a range of lures they'll eat surface they'll eat all your subsurface lures casting works well trolling and bait fishing You can pretty well do whatever you want there yeah yeah um,
1: we saw a lot of, um a lot of good ones getting caught on bait sort of the start of december when cod season opened up and that seemed to be the top thing to do, everyone was catching sort of 80-centimetre ones out of there for a good period and just, yeah, bait was number yep. one. But, yeah, now it seems like the casting's really picked back up again, which is nice to see.
0: Yeah, yeah. very good to yeah. see. So, while Karen and I are talking about this, I just want to mention, guys, we have in-depth reports inside the SF membership. So, Karen, you write the monthly report for the near Gamby Lake. So, if you guys want more info... On every month to month, how it's fishing—if it's poor or if it's good, or what they're feeding on, where they're chewing—all um, from Karen's experiences fishing the lake regularly. Uh, you can check out the reports inside the membership. So Karen does that, and also we're going to be creating a bit of content uh, leading up to Go Fish with our insights into the competition. So yeah, we we'll look forward to them. That'll be exciting, yeah, eh? Coming up? Yeah, it so, will be.
1: If, yeah, hopefully uh, we can get onto a few. While we're over there. Yes.
0: Yes. So, we'll be there before the competition, fingers crossed, uh, and we'll put up updates inside the membership for all our members who happen to be fishing in the competition. So, I thought I would just mention that while we're talking yeah. about that. So, before we get on and talk about Go Fish itself, I want to uh, – we're going to talk about that at the end of this episode. I just want to ask Karen, I've got one – I've got a couple more questions, but one in particular – is do you have and what is your most memorable catch to date? Do you have one in particular that stands in your memory as, you know, that was that was the best catch?
1: Yeah, there's there's always a couple. Probably the one I said to you earlier about the comp um, and ending the comp at Moala and getting the 81. That was probably one of the biggest moments that I sort of, yeah, felt But it has been top since my PB. So that one probably goes a little bit beyond it now. But... Um,
0: so, that was your PB that for that was my quite PB for quite some one. time,
1: yeah. And yep. like I've, I've encountered bigger cod, um, I've had them on, I've dropped them, I've had them following me to the boat, I've had everything but just couldn't crack it. But that one sort of, I suppose because there was so much pressure in the comp series to get that fish and everything was sort of culminating to that point where I really needed that fish and I got that fish that I needed Um, only to just fall short, it sort of, there was a lot of, I suppose, emotion behind it as well. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, it was, it sort of stuck with me and that photo of the fish, it sort of taken me a long way as well. Um, It's, you know, you would have seen it the other day when you came past the store, that cod's on the front of our store and sort of really became my, I suppose, my cover image, I suppose, in fishing and, um, but, yeah, in terms, of, I'll go with my last one though, because that was my new PB. So that was Moela um, in July last year, um, and sort of as you're saying before, like the reports in the SF membership, um, we're getting the accurate details, and I've been watching Jack's reports and sort of reading what was going on, and I sort of we. We were going to go to Ngambi, but because Ngambi wasn't fishing that well at the time, we thought let's go somewhere else and we knew that Mawala had started firing a bit. So we thought let's go to Mawala, um, yeah. rolled up there, um, read all Jack's report, go, yep, okay, this sort of area is working and we made a plan and then the wind picked up. Um, so we had to move. So we moved up to the Everglades area, um, launched at Drain Lane and we started working our way through and I had to I had to do an ABC fishing report on jump? water in the morning <laughs> so i'm just sort of nice. sitting there about six o'clock in the morning doing this fishing report and yeah the guy said oh how are you going and i said yeah i'm on the water at the minute he's like get a good fish for me i'm like all right so um it was sort of on the sunrise period um so we'd worked our way through just got behind the islands and it was just as i've found Recently, we um, we seemed to find a good bite around the moonrise, moonset, so it all coincided with the full moon and the moonset. Um, but we yep. were working in the back area and there was this laydown sort of sitting there and my first cast didn't quite go in the spot I wanted to go, but I did see this surge of water um, just sort of – so it wasn't a full boil. It was just sort of a bit of a push of water against the log and I thought, oh, that was an interesting one. Um mm. Anyway, cast back in, got in the right spot for the second one and, yeah, absolutely got pole laxed. It was an 85 centimetre um, no that months. came up. It was on the surface yet again, um, which, yeah, I always fall to it in the early hours of the morning, but yeah, it was just one of those moments that, yeah, you can't write a perfect script for it. Um, it was just, yeah, obviously a big explosion, yeah, um, I always try and get my PB on the surface. I'll always go out and if I get PB on something else, that's fine. But, yeah, it's nothing better than getting that next big fish on the surface and experiencing that good, extreme eh? force. So, yeah. Um, and then sort of straight after, we also we kept working down and then I had a massive swirl straight after it within five yeah, minutes. Yeah, I remember
0: you telling me that. Yeah, yep.
1: massive swirl. So, we knew that one was a bigger one but, yeah, didn't come back. It was interested but decided – today wasn't the day so yeah it was okay but yeah that was a pretty good experience up there and just making it all sort of come together at the right time and yeah getting those reports and going with the reports so that's good
0: but you wrote a story I did you wrote a story (laughs) on that day it was a great read that's why I feel like I've like as you're telling me I'm like I know what's happening next but I'm like I'm pretty sure we haven't talked about it but that's why because you wrote that story uh, for the membership. That was a really good read on that Yeah. On that session. And it was sort of,
1: yeah, yeah it was a bit of a, a weird moment for me because, you know, that other fish had sort of stayed with me for so long and sort of that image had been, a, you know, on such a journey with me and I was a little bit numb yeah. when I got it. Like I just didn't know what to feel. I was like, oh, I finally got my PB but <laughs> this is really surreal. It was, yeah, yeah, one of those moments I was like, oh. Okay, I, I did it. But, yeah, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. It's
0: an <laughs> interesting, interesting yeah, feeling. Yeah, I would, agree. Yeah. Yep, like, I would probably, agree. I've had some.
1: Probably if it was a metery, I probably would have, like, you
0: Big know. Difference. I yeah. probably would have,
1: yeah, but, like, it was only PB'd by four centimetres, so I wasn't sort of like, woo <laughs> Like, it was great, yeah. but, yeah, um, it was a pretty, I like, it was a great moment, but it was sort of one of those ones. I was like, yeah, okay. Happy, sad. Happy, happy sad. Happy, sad. I'm yeah. like, Yeah. yeah. Because you have so many agree. memories, yeah.
0: I've got the same experience. I've got like you've got these fish that were so memorable that aren't that big one, and then there's the big one as well. I'm the same. I've got some that were smaller but real memorable. Yeah. And then and then there's the PB. That and I think isn't always you know the one that sticks in your mind the most.
1: No, and I think it's the moment surrounding it, I suppose, you know, and what's happening else i suppose you know like it was probably the competition that made my other one maybe slightly more memorable um because it'd been such a yeah i suppose an emotional moment um you know i'd really set out to achieve this thing i got it on that prototype lure and you know everything came together um except i didn't win but you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) you were Um, so close
1: yeah i was so close But yeah, this next one, I was like, yep, my PB, I got it. That's great. But yeah, it was this real bizarre feeling about it. So, and that's okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. That's good. Um, It's always good to hear people's uh, stories of you know, the most memorable catch and I'm sure there'll be one that'll be more memorable if I was to talk to you in 12 months' time. Yeah, so. and
1: there will and that's it. Like each each moment you go out, you know, you never know when you're going to tangle with that next big fish and, you know, it doesn't even need to be the biggest fish to be the most memorable. Um, yeah. You know, it could be you're out with, you know, a certain family member when you get it or and those sort of yes. things and, you know that holds a special moment for you more than the big cod does. So, yeah, um, and that's all just sort of part and parcel of it that, yeah, the biggest isn't always always the best. Yeah, it's always the memories that surround it. And the moments. There's new ones around the corner. There is, and you don't know what's ahead
0: corner. and you don't know when it's gonna happen. So Nah, nah. it's <laughs> like the riders did <laughs> just did and um only like four days ago. We just I just didn't know what was ahead and No. That, that Jack got onto this crack and fish, you guys will see it come up soon and we've already got updates on it in the membership, um and it'll be on social media and things like that. But we got this fish and we just yeah, we were hoping for something, but you just never Never know when it's going to come and it comes at the time you least expect it. And it's just, yeah, it's a great feeling. So, yeah. it's just awesome. Yeah, it's what fishing does. It
1: is. Yeah, so, exactly right.
0: So, Karen, let's talk about Go Fish in a Uh It is around the corner. We wanted to give you a little bit of, I want to talk to Karen in particular about what we've talked about, fishing with kids, worth, uh, a little bit about her background. But also wanted to talk to Karen on this episode specifically as well both of us, uh, about GoFish Negambi because I was with GoFish from the first event. I was there at the first event. If you were there, you may have seen me getting around. Coming up to last year's event, which was cancelled, Karen, you jumped on as another ambassador for the event, um, especially representing women, and it didn't go ahead, but then again, we're going to try and do last year's this year uh, and hopefully it'll be a good year. Hopefully it'll go ahead but we just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the event itself. We've already touched on the Gamby, uh, how it will run and a few little things for coming up to it. Now, there's still, just so you know, there's still things in the works in terms of finer details that are still coming but the actual event we're going to touch on now. So, um, you, you were at the first event. Yeah, I was. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, can you explain to people what the hub, uh, the expo, is all like? Because you were actually working in the expo. Um, I know it's going to be a little, slightly different this year. Uh, that'll all be due to COVID, but it will still be there. Can you explain the hub, the expo, the whole atmosphere, and things like that?
1: Yeah. So, like, I remember when it got launched, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm going to this. This looks awesome." Because um, it was—it's more than a fishing competition. Um, it is really a community-based, I suppose, event that. All anglers can come into, and it's not just you know we're going out to catch the fish to win the prizes. There's a sort of everything's yeah. on offer back at the hub for everyone. So, like I remember the hub, um, there was live music up on stage, there was educational sessions, there was stores and food stalls and tackle stalls and different um, members from the industry, boats and everything there that you could go around. It's sort of like a bit of an expo in some ways. It's a yeah, it's a retail it's an atmosphere it's yeah it's a whole myriad of things that just all come together to make the event what it is um and way more than just a fishing competition um it's
0: cool it was really cool the first time being there
1: yeah it was and i like i've never experienced it going to any other fishing comp what that actually was like you know, I've done my comps before. I've, you know, usually, yeah, you've got your community, you come together, you might have your briefing, you might, you know, and you all get back together at the end and do all the presentations. But this was over multiple days. Um, you had those moments where it's, you know, the community atmosphere, and then you could go off and do whatever you wanted to do. If you wanted to go to the hub, you could go to the hub. If you didn't want to and hang out with your family and friends, that's fine too. Um, but just going in there, it was just this real buzz of excitement around the competition of being in the hub. Um, and I know I certainly, when I was working it with trallies, um, we yeah, we were absolutely flat out, but it was great. We got a lot of first hand experiences um, on people getting their catches and what was going on and people coming in to buy this lure that they lost or dropped on a good fish or, you know. Um, yep. Yeah, and like I remember the guy that won, he came in. Um, that day and told us about it and what had happened and yeah which was pretty cool so we had a bit of an insight into everything that was going on Um, but yeah it's really an atmosphere and a yeah community it's a it's a a pretty
0: spot too Yeah. yeah and it's all surrounded by water so you've got this whole expo on this peninsula that's all surrounded by water and you could basically be fishing and pull up on the bank if you wanted and just jump straight out and be right in the middle of the expo, grab yeah. a feed, get back on the water. Like it's pretty cool. And the township surrounds the lake as well. So you could even pull up, go up to the pub, have lunch, get back in your boat, go back out. Like it's it's a it's a good destination for the event which you kind of really couldn't do anywhere else because you got all this flat land and all this sort of urban sort of buildings and you know your food and everything you need right on the water's edge which is really cool
1: yeah it is cool it's um it's well set up and well planned that's the biggest exactly yeah Yeah. (laughs)
0: so this year so what's going to happen there's going to be an expo we're going to have a hub it's going to be a little bit different to the original year they're still working out plans on exactly how that will go but there should still be entertainment Music, things like that. Briefing may be slightly different, and it's all it's all in regards to COVID, as you would all understand. But if you're coming to fish the event, uh, and the event runs. What did we we worked out? So it runs from the Thursday to the Sunday. Now fishing is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. The Thursday afternoon at seven o'clock is the briefing. So the briefing is on Thursday. So if you're coming to fish the event, or um, if you're thinking about coming, it's definitely worth coming. But if you're already coming, it's 7 p.m. is the briefing at this stage, and then the event runs for the Friday, Saturday, and half of Sunday. That is fishing times. Um, can you run through, Karen? Do you have the prize pool in front of you? Can you
1: I'll get read it. That out? Yeah. If not, what up. I can start. So <laughs> while you bring it
0: up, while you bring it up, I'll just talk about. One major reason. Well, there's so many reasons that you guys should come to this event. Um, the biggest reason is the biggest cod gets eighty thousand dollars cash. So not only do we have this expo, we have this hub with great entertainment. Um, it's this real sense of community, and and it's up to you. If you want to be around that community, you can. If not, you can just fish in the competition, go back to your accommodation, and just compete in the competition. And Basically, the biggest COD, the biggest length COD will win $80,000 cash, but then they also pay out cash down to the 10th biggest COD. So, can you run through the numbers from second yeah. to... I'm
1: still onwards? trying to get it up, Rose, but no, I know <laughs> that... Yeah, so 80000 for your first COD, but yeah, 12000 for second. And yeah, then it so sort of 12, keeps jumping down from there.
0: Yeah, so yeah. twelve is second uh, and then it's 8... I'll, I'll list them in order... From third on. So third is eight grand, then it's six thousand dollars, four and a half thousand dollars, three thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, fifteen hundred, a thousand and five hundred. So if you catch the 10th biggest cod, you know that with the amount of competitors there, I'm gonna say that's probably up in the 80 centimeter range, but from the very first year. An 80 centimeter would have been well and truly in that tally and a high 70s might have even made that, but you would get 500 bucks. So, that'll pay for your trip uh, pretty much if you can get the 10th biggest cod. So, you're looking at, you know, third biggest cod is still $8,000 cash Um, and that's what's really cool about this comp unlike others is it's cash prizes. Golden perch, I'm just going to list this for everyone, Uh, 10 grand for the biggest golden perch. And then running down to the tenth biggest, you've got six thousand, four thousand, two and a half, two, one and a half, one thousand, seven hundred and fifty, five hundred, and two hundred and fifty dollars for the tenth biggest yeller. And there's also cash for carp as well. So the biggest carp gets a thousand dollars down to the fifth largest carp, which gets you two hundred bucks, um, which is pretty cool. And that eighty grand cod will go to the biggest cod. So the eighty grand will go for the person who catches the biggest cod. So that is yeah, yeah. really well it is a life changing bit of money. So. It is.
1: It's pretty incredible prizes. Like
0: mm. it
1: is life changing for some people. It's just Yeah, I couldn't imagine what if I had eighty K in my pocket just after catching good fish, I'd be uh pretty yeah. chuffed.
0: <laughs> very, very much so. So there's that, but then there's also prizes. So I think the prize pools valued at five hundred thousand. Yeah. And there's 150,000 of cash. So 150,000 of cash. And then you're looking at prizes like uh, the J Track uh, tent trailer. So it's basically like a camper trailer. There's a stack of prizes uh, just rod and reels, gear, lures. There's sounders. sounders yeah. There's three, three low Lowrance sounders, Shimano packs, packs from Anaconda, Abu, Berkeley, all for the junior prizes. Uh, there's a lot on there. But the, the big one is that. J Tracks, that camper trailer. Yeah. It's for cot o'clock. Can you explain how cotter clock works? It's a really cool idea.
1: It is. So it has changed a little bit this year. Um last time they sort of sent out through the app that we were using, they sent out a bit of a, a little thing saying it's cot o'clock time, and then there was a certain size um that was, you know, just a random size for a fish to be caught. Um, so it might be like 75 centimetres. And the person who got the closest um cod to that size during that time would win the camper trailer so one of my yep. friends from the Werf network she actually took out one of them um, really yeah she did oh, it was tiffany yeah. yeah and she um had caught you know like i think it was about a 63 or something around that centimeter and yeah she was the closest during that time and she got to take home a, a camper trailer which is pretty awesome so yeah. um, it's a pretty good weekend. It's disappearing with a and even like um, donut prize. Catch nothing for the weekend. You're in the chance to win a sounder. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah. that's
0: right. Yeah. So there's those those campers. I think they've got one each day. Yeah. Um, there was definitely one each day last year, and I'm pretty confident there's one each day this year as well. That's just another one of the cool prizes um, on offer. So, that's that. Uh, For anyone coming to the event, it's not just a fishing event as well. You can just come into the expo and enjoy the food, the entertainment, things like that um, and not actually be entered to fish. So, don't forget that you can do that. You don't have to just be there to fish. And also, when it does come to fishing, there's it works, you can fish from the bank, you can fish from the boat or kayaks. There's only, there's less than 100 boat entries left and basically, it works as you can have two, three, four people in a boat, however many your boat can take, but there's only 1,000 boats capped. So, there's over 900 boats already, uh, but there's still, that's the time of recording this podcast. This will be at probably within a couple of days of recording it. But just so you know, those boat entries are disappearing, but there's also plenty of bank entries so, you can enter, fish from the bank and still if you were to catch the biggest cod from the bank, you'd win the 80 grand. So, don't just think that you have to have a boat to come and fish in this event. No. Um, there's there's some good bank fishing spots around yeah. the lake, isn't there?
1: Yeah. And like I reckon there's some, yeah, there'd definitely be some advantages to being on the bank or having a kayak and getting in the back of those, some of those backwaters
0: could definitely
1: yes. um, take it out where the big boats can't actually get. So, It's nothing to, yeah, if you don't have a boat, there's heaps of opportunities along the banks and areas that opened up because um, for the bank fishing and for kayak fishing. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. don't be disheartened on, yeah, if you don't get a boat entry or you don't have a boat, boat, yeah, yeah. you can still participate in it and you've still got just as much chance of actually taking it out as anyone else. Yeah, that's right. Because it is busy on the water with 1,000 boats. It's not, but, yeah, sometimes I think it'd be an advantage to, jump in a kayak yeah, being or being a kayak <laughs> yep.
0: Yep. or be in some of those spots yeah, where yep. especially there's a couple of bank spots there where boats wouldn't really go near it um especially up on the golden weir there's a couple of nice key spots there especially for yellows um you know where you could take out the biggest yellow for sure oh
1: definitely yeah and there's some yeah you can't get the boat in there but you could certainly catch good fish off that bank definitely yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah
0: so a couple of other things, guys, just to list what is actually happening at the event. There's a kids fishing clinic. Uh, you've got the WERF. Uh, there's a WERF.
1: Function, yeah. Presentation. A function, function yep. on the Friday night for an hour and a half. Um, yeah. So, of, you'll be there. I'll be there. Um, we're doing a bit of a Q&A session, having a bit of a chat. Um, having a bit of a relax and getting to meet other ladies and sharing our passion together, which is going to be pretty awesome. awesome. Yeah.
0: So that's one thing. There'll be stacks of other things coming up that are still to be announced because we're still a few weeks out from the event. But there'll be plenty of entertainment. There'll be a casting arena. Uh, There'll be plenty of food and there'll be plenty of education. There'll be plenty of stuff going. Last year, we had a school group go through and there was great education there. They um, were even able to see the barramundi that they had in a tank there, which was really cool. And so they don't know if they're bringing the kids through this year though, just due to COVID, but...
1: Yeah, I know they've got... Uh, the VFA's got quite a lot they're doing this year and I think they're actually yeah. um, netting off an area and releasing some fish in there for the kids to actually catch and those things as cool. well, which would be pretty awesome. So um,
0: That's really cool. Yeah. And the barrow were cool last year. The kids were able to see them in the tank. Um, There's a couple of other tanks that they could cast in as well, so no that's well worth it
1: like there's a lot of entertainment for kids as well so even if you're a bit concerned about taking the kids over like and if they're not coping with being out in the boat or on the bank all day there's activities you can go back and do with the kids and I remember there was a um a movie screen set up for them and yeah lots of different things going on to keep the kids entertained it's a real whole family experience
0: yeah yeah 100% and there's In terms of accommodation, guys, so if you're looking to go to the event, you haven't got your tickets yet, you can still grab some but the accommodation in the general area right in the Gamby. He's pretty well all booked out. So, most of the accommodation in close to the Gamby is booked out but there's plenty of accommodation not far of a drive. So, I actually have a couple of mates going, pretty sure they're staying in Shepparton or not far from Shepparton and basically they're just going to get up with enough time to get to their spot in the morning, launch the boat and be on the water before right on competition time, fish all day and then they're going to head back. Uh, and then that's that's you can do that. It's not that hard to do that at all and you don't have to come back to the hub except for the random prizes. Just as a note, if you win uh, a biggest catch or something like that, you don't have to be at the presentation to win it although I think if you do win the 80K prize, they preferably would like you there to hand you the check but I do know that the random prizes from the best of my knowledge, you actually have to be there for the random prizes on the day. So. It does help and it does pay to come back to the hub, um, have a feed, have a sit around, listen to some music and see if you win the random prizes. But if you're looking to go, just as a note, the accommodation right around the is pretty well flat booked out but there's plenty of towns in the general area, isn't there? Yeah, there is. You could
1: jump down Seymour, Heathcote. Um, there'd be heaps of, yeah, it's heaps of different areas you could go and um, yeah, find some accommodation still. And there definitely is. Um, some people yep. will probably risk it, try and get in at Majors Creek Campground. I reckon they'll be pretty jam-packed, but mm-hmm. um, first in best dress really. So, if you're keen on, you know, camping close to the water's edge and being able to launch straight in, get there early.
0: Early and, yeah. Thursday morning probably. Oh, I'd probably even go Wednesday earlier than that.
1: Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: So that's everyone. They've left Thursday as everyone's travel day. I know a lot of people rolled in Thursday afternoon the first year uh, for that briefing at seven o'clock, and then competition starts early Wednesday, um, and then it runs full day Wednesday, full day Thursday, and then sorry, not that's wrong. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) Friday. (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) Full day Friday, full day Saturday, half day Sunday. Thursday night's the briefing, seven p.m. Um, but there's more information on the website, so just check that out and check out the FAQs uh, for more information there. But pretty much, it's a cracker event. It's an event unlike any other. The first year was incredible. It blew me away being there. I'm pumped to be there again. Both yourself and I will be there, and it's going to be good fun.
1: It will be, and I'm absolutely pumped as well. Like, it's been great coming on board as ambassador, but even before that I wanted to be back there um after that first year um it was just yeah as I said earlier it was such an event um and a bit of a spectacle I suppose of cod fishing and a showcase yeah yeah for what it is um and yeah it's it's going to be a fun year I'm looking forward to it
0: so as it looks it's going to go ahead so we're just going to Pretend COVID doesn't exist, guys, um, and it will go ahead. Obviously, everything's going to be COVID safe at the event, but COVID's not going to ruin it this year. It'll be on, and at this stage, it's on, and it's going to be a bumper of an event, and I can't wait to be there. And, yeah, you've got to, like my mate said, you've got to be in it to win it, that 80 grand COD. Someone will win it, take it out, and be walking home with 80 grand cash. So, it's definitely well worth
1: Holding that big check up on the stage. Yeah, good feeling, mm. would not
0: it? <laughs> yeah, it looked like a good feeling last year.
1: Yeah. For the winner. Definitely.
0: Uh, yeah, buddy, uh what was it? Confetti and everything. Oh, Big yeah. check.
1: Oh yeah. Mikey <laughs> was
0: a sports athlete and he just won the podium. Yeah. Winning. So that's cool. And it, and the best part about it is it's a family event. So if you win it, you win it. But it's not it doesn't have that real competition y feel. It just feels like everyone's getting out for a fish, which is really what I kinda loved about it. Yeah. Um it was more just everyone getting out there and having fun. So, yep. if you guys were there last year and you said, G'day, I can't wait to see you there again, have a bit of a chat. Uh, it'll be a really, really good event. But uh, thanks for sharing a little bit of that with me, Karen. No worries. Um, it was good to have a chat and talk about that. And thanks for sharing your your whole story, why you love fishing, why you got into it, your most memorable catch, and also that info about worth
1: No worries. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: We'll catch up. Karen and I, like I said, we're going to catch up before the event at Nagambi and if you are an SF member, we're going to be sharing a bit of info about how we go prior to the event, give you some inside information. So I know. that should be good. Be good to I'm join up. It'd
1: be good just to join up for that race. You
0: yeah. Might I might get you on and the
1: eighty K that day. <laughs>
0: Imagine that. Imagine I know. Be that. A pretty you know cool it story. could we'll see how we go and we'll share our knowledge. And you've even got your monthly report too, which yep. has just gone up, which is good prep for for the event ahead. It's not far now, three weeks.
1: Surely we need to take a cut out of it if someone in the membership gets it from our information, surely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how nice they are. We'll see how generous they feel.
1: Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> right.
0: Thanks, Karen. And guys, if you guys have any more information, um, you can shoot it through. We're happy to answer a couple of questions here and there. But if you have any more specific info on the event itself, you can email the guys uh, on their website. So, just go to gofishingandgambie.com.au. Jump on the website, and there's basically a stack of information there. And there, you can send them messages as well, emails there to get in contact with them. Thanks, Karen. I appreciate no it. No
1: worries. Thanks. Look forward to seeing everyone at Go Fish and the Gamby.
0: Get excited, get pumped, and get ready to win yourself $80,000 cash in your hand that biggest cod at Negambi. Now, if you are a listener and if you're going to be there, I can't wait to see you and I wish you all the best in the hunt for winning the biggest cod or just any prize on the event day and I can't wait for it to get here. It's only a couple of weeks away now and I'm sure it'll be here before we know it. Now, I hope this podcast got you a little bit excited for the event and also gave you a little bit more info leading up to it. Now, if you haven't actually got a ticket in the event but you think you should be in it, there are still tickets available so go grab them. Now, there are only a very few boat entries left, but there are also kayak and bank entries available. So, jump on and grab them. And one thing I do want to mention is I have teamed up with Go GoFishNagami to offer you a special deal. Because you are listening to this SF podcast and you are a follower of Social Fishing, we are offering a two-for-one deal at the minute for land and kayak entries. So, if you're not in the event yet... And you're listening to this podcast, but you're thinking maybe you should be. You have a kayak, or you just don't have a boat and want to fish from the bank. You can purchase a ticket and get a two-for-one deal. So basically, buy one, get one free. And that is only available for the next couple of weeks leading up to the event. So make sure you grab it soon, and that will give you a chance at winning that eighty thousand dollars. So that is a special. That is Go Fishing a Gambia and social fishing special. And you just need to use the promo code when you jump on to purchase your tickets. So to jump on the link to purchase them. Uh, And for the promo code, make sure you check out the show notes in this podcast episode. So, jump on our website or on the app you're listening to this on. Check out the show notes for the link and the promo code. But the promo code is in full capital letters, S-M-G-O-F-I-S-H. So, S-M, go fish, all in capital letters, Here's the promo code, but to jump on that link as well, make sure you go to the show notes and check that out. There's also a post on our Facebook page where you can get that code and also the link. So, make sure you guys grab that now if you are still looking to enter the competition. And as I said, there are still some boat entries left, but not many at all. They'll disappear quick, and if you really want to have a crack at that 80K, you need to be at the event. The weather's looking really good, and it's coming up to a great time of year, and I'm super excited to see you all at the event now i want to thank i want to do a massive shout out and a big thank you to karen Rees for sitting down for this episode there was so many cool stories in there we learned a lot about a lot of different things including the worth network so if you want to know more about that like karen said jump on worth women in rec fishing on facebook and join the group and it was great to talk about go fishing again we just want to thank karen for that and as a reminder Karen and I are going to team up just a few days before the event, do some fishing together, do some research throughout the whole lake system. We're going to fish the Goldwyn Weir End around Kerwins Bridge. We're going to fish the main lake and also up in the river and possibly even downstream in the river. We're going to give you our update on the flows, the water clarity, the water temperature in each area and where we think you should be basing yourself to get that big fish. We're going to spend a bit of time on the lake fishing and we're going to put together some videos and a trip report. Uh, a pre—it's like a pre-go fish comp report from us, giving you our inside information on what you should be doing during the event. I'll be at the event uh, for those few days. I'll be out on the water, meeting a few of you guys, having a chat, and I'll also be back at the main grounds where the event will be happening. So if you do see me, come and say g'day. It's going to be awesome, and I can't wait to see you there. Don't forget guys, those trip reports and those details are going to be included and inside the SF membership. So if you're a member, you can jump on and check them out. And if you're not a member, it's super, super easy to become a member. Join the platform and the community. It's growing very, very quickly. And we have an incredible group of like-minded anglers inside the SF membership and it's an incredible place for you to all communicate and learn. So you can do that by going to socialfishing.com.au, jump on our website, join, become a member and you'll get access to that report plus the stacks of other reports written by other anglers, the videos, the maps, everything else we've got. Like I said, we have a SF map for Nagambi Lakes, which details all the key fishing spots right throughout the competition area. Guys, that's enough from me. Once again, thank you to Karen and thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode of the podcast. Go Fish Nagambi, 25th to the 28th of March. I'll see you there. It's going to be a cracker on event. And don't forget, you could win yourself $80,000 cold hard cash. You've been listening to the Social Fishing Podcast, and I'll see you at GoFish.